On the first night, you hear him. Then you can't stop thinking about him. And on the second night, you see him following you. Well, on the third night, he finds you. And on the fourth night, two white guys will nitpick every aspect of him based on their subjective criteria of if he's Lovecraftian enough. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic H.P. Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2020's The Empty Man, written and directed by David Pryor, based on the Boom Studios comic created by Colin Bunn and Vanessa R. Del Rey. And this episode was, or I should say this movie for this episode, was actually recommended by a listener, uh, Linus Fitness Center, which his name does sound like he is actually a, a health club or a, a chain of gyms, but Linus Fitness Center is an actual person um, and a musician as well, so... Um, thank you, Linus, for listening, and thank you for your suggestion and contribution, and we would like to remind listeners all the time that if you are tuned into the H.P. Lovecraft um, Historical Society Facebook page, and there are always people sharing stuff, hey, have you seen this? Have you looked into that? We encourage you to do that, because we're just two guys. We've got lives of our own. We've got all sorts of stuff going on, and so we may overlook something, miss something, and a lot of this podcast is us not even having watched stuff in the past and saying, let's bring it to the podcast. It's more like, maybe let's see what this one is. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of exploration. And as you, um, I can sure uh, deduce from some of our past episodes, we go in with one idea, we see a movie and say it's either nope or, oh yeah, interesting. So yeah. by all means, we, we are open to suggestion. Yeah, and I, I've, I've known Linus from the... Uh the GGTMC, the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, which is a long-running podcast and mm -hmm. network of people that I've met through the years, like friends that I still have to to this day. And yeah, when I when I saw he suggested this, I'm like, okay, I had heard about this film, but it came out during the pandemic and it kind of just disappeared. But in recent months, I've been seeing people talk about this film in a positive light, but I didn't want to know anything about it. Yeah. Like I, I was like, when, when, when you said, let's do this, I'm like, cool. Not going to read anything else about it. I just saw the poster for it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, let me press play on Amazon to rent it. Yep. And yeah, let's, uh, and then two hours and 17 minutes later, I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, more people need to suggest films for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and more films like this need to be made. I, yes. Before we get into it, a brief aside, um, Linus, if I have mispronounced your name in any way, I apologize. I just, I, I see it on the page and I assume based on um, past associations that it's pronounced Linus Fitness Center. If it is not that, supremely apologize. By all means, you can email us at moviesofmadness at gmail.com and uh, chastise us if that's the case because um we'll take even um even criticizing <laughs> criticizing emails um we 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 accept all kinds of feedback but the empty man man as i tweeted out delightfully surprised by this film i i was yeah. I, I was expecting based on just the name and some of the imagery mm -hmm. i was basically expecting like a subpar kind of slender man knockoff you know what saint you had the same thing the thought of that I had because I'm like, please don't be like that, like because because that's run its gamut, uh, you know the the creepy pasta like, and not that creepy pasta stuff isn't good because there are some good creepy pasta stuff like the stuff from Channel Zero, yeah, 
which might be something we might have to cover someday, maybe Perhaps. for something for something. But this one, yeah. But once I realized, oh wait, this is a comic book. It was originally a comic by Cullen Bunn mm-hmm. and Vanessa Del, Del Rey, and like I'm like, Cullen Bunn, wait a second. All right, like he's made some really good comic books, especially some really good horror comic books like mm-hmm. Harrow County, which is one of the most horrific things you'll ever read in your life. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, cool. This is even more exciting. But then I was like, okay, not like again, looking up the comic book afterward, the comic book seems a little, like much different mm-hmm. in some ways. Like yeah. it kind of goes even more epic. This one, and again, this kind of ties in with a lot of stuff we've covered, but also ties in with the last film that we covered on the show, Lord of Illusions, where if you're going to have a cult of some sort, you need to have an army <laughs> yeah. to, be, to be intimidating. And this one, it begins with a very small, you know, sm- it begins small in a, in a way. Like, you know, you have hikers that are in the middle of, like, you know, Bhutan and, like, you mm-hmm. know, stumble upon something. Or did he stumble upon something? Was it all intended? And then we get to the, you know, the, you know, present day at this time, 2018. And it's, you know, this is like Scientology big, you know, it's yeah. like a big group that's kind of secretive, but not really that secretive because they're, and it's also like you, you see that they're everywhere. And that already puts it like, you know, and again, I'm a Lord of Illusions fan, but the comment you made, and then I was thinking about it the whole time, like, oh, you know what? This is actually scarier because not only is the concept scary, but this like army of like these followers, it's like, holy shit, this is bigger than even everyone thinks it is. It just keeps growing. It does start out as, I mean, 22 cold, uh, the 22 minute cold open aside, which yeah, is, yeah. I got to say, it was, it's so good at setting the tone and how ominous everything is going to be. Yeah. But also it's, it's disorienting because for the first yeah. few minutes I was thinking like, did I rent the wrong movie? Is, is this uh, same thing? Cause I'm like, wait a second, this is what, like what film is this? And like, and then I kind of was like, okay, it says the day one, day two, day three. Like, okay. And then when it gets to the present, they go, whoa, okay, this is because I had read a quick synopsis. And it's like a former detective. I'm like, wait, where, where, where are we? Like, we're in the middle of freaking. Like, and I'm thinking it's at the mouth of the madness almost. Like, what, what's going yeah. on here? Mm-hmm. You know. And again, a tie into a former episode, Aaron Poole from mm. The Void yeah. is the guy who stumbles upon this, the empty van. And I'm like. Oh, it's Aaron Poole. Okay. <laughs> it, what's interesting about that cold open is I loved it. And I thought it, yeah, it does set the mood. But at the same time, you could almost take that out. And it would still, the movie would still play. With, yeah. The, I, with, but, I think... but I appreciate them putting it in there. Like, I, I, I like a backstory. And then, you know, 20 something years later, and you, you know, like, okay, what's going on now? I, I like that, but I could see like the studio, which is something we'll talk about, mm-hmm. not liking the linked, not liking the way it, you know, I guess it's way, the way it's structured. I don't know. It's a lot of stuff that supposedly 20th Century Fox was not a fan of right. with this, the test screenings, which I've been to test screenings and I always say 99% of the time, don't trust them. If, if that opening, if that cold open was removed, the biggest things that would be lost would have been just the... The con the, the contextual kind of background of how ancient perhaps this has gone back. Yes. Um and and losing something about the significance of the reveal that the old the 
quote unquote old yeah. man in the bed is, is Paul and how that feeds into this whole buildup to the empty man actually not being the creature, but the, the main character of how he is a vessel kind of a thing. I, I think, I think you lose that, but even, I, I mean, even just having that, like this speaks to this film of like this outside during the day in the snow is just yeah. as ominous as at night in the thick of the woods and how, and how the tone is just so complete in this movie. And as you said, Yes, this was based on a comic. I had no idea about it about that until after I I uh was starting to do research and yep, not really a faithful adaptation. This is the premise of the comic yeah. and please, it's please. it's it sounds interesting but also I really like the movie that David Pryor gave us instead, but this is the premise of the comic. The nation is in the grip of a terrible pandemic. The so-called empty man disease causes insanity and violence. Government quarantines are mandatory. Sound familiar? Uh, one of the afflicted is Melissa Carey, and the next step should be to quarantine her, but those who enter her quarantine are never seen again. Melinda's family won't let that happen. All they have to do is care for her, keep her worsening condition a secret, and they'll do anything, trust anyone to keep her safe. And, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. so, like, it, it sounds like sort of this almost kind of, not post-apocalyptic world, but, like, mid-pandemic World War Z kind of a thing, where I, what I like what David Pryor did this is how it now, the film more emulates or mimics sort of that Lovecraftian journey of something which starts small and intimate and a person being invited into a larger world of something, just realizing how even their own existence, there's so much more to it than they even realize. And it's a horrifying revelation of who he is or what he is, what he is connected to and the forces that have brought him to that point. I, I like that a lot like I love that idea and yeah there, there's a, a fun there's a fun article from film school rejects that I'll uh, post in the show notes and on the Facebook page later about that's basically an interview with David Pryor about the the journey of this creation and he says um, or, or the article says in its original form Bun series presents our society mid-collapse where the nightmarish psychic energy of the title character has turned earth into a Clive Barker-esque hellscape open to a random page of the series and you are likely to see mass acts of violence or a half man half monster holding a shotgun prior went a different route i liked the title he says and a lot of bun's concerns the broader deeper concerns were things that i had already been writing about um so yeah i i just, I just love i really love the changes that he made and, and 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 you know i i don't i since i didn't know this was a comic i'm sure that there are some fans who are like super pumped to see that they were making this and then probably saw it and like the oh. fuck is that supposed to be? But what I kind of love is <clears throat> from even from reading what that, you know, from what the original comic book is. And I've seen there's been multiple like series in this comic book. Like mm -hmm. there's been, you know, four issue miniseries four issue, you know, throughout. It almost feels like this is like takes place in the same world. Mm -hmm. But it's, this is almost like a prequel to like that comic book. Yeah. This okay. seems like it's the beginning of this plague. Mm -hmm. This disease that like started 23 years before and has be and has slowly become stronger and stronger. And now by the end of this film, it's it's actually come to fruition. Now it's like even stronger than it was the 23 years before. Like they've actually created something from what from what I gathered. They created this new being to house the empty man. But yeah, but I mean, and and to me, like it's just, it's just an interesting take on, 
a lot of stories that have been told before. Watching it, I thought of Clive Barker a lot. Mm-hmm. And another reason is some, you know, some part of the music's done by Christopher Young, who yep. did the Hellraiser soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Also, I know Lustmore did. So it's like, and Lustmore did stuff for The Void. So it's almost like the synthy, like it's weird, like a lot of connections. Lustmore also did the score for First Reformed, which wow. is super interesting because of just, yeah. I mean, because the the score from First Reformed too was so evocative and also dark, yeah. but also hearkened or 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 helped supplement Ethan Hawke's mood, his journey, and just like his looking for something beyond himself. Yeah. And it's it's weird to put those two movies together, but also it kind of makes sense if you actually think about it. It kind of does because, again, First Reformed, you know, about religion, about, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you have Clive Barker's, like, mindset and, like, of, you know, Catholicism being a sham. You know, like, all this crazy shit, but, like, deals with a lot of religion in his stories. And it's this melding that it somehow works. And like yeah, when you when I read that, I'm like, oh my god, he did that too. And it speaks to what Pryor was doing and how effective he was, because as we both you know uh, agreed on, we were expecting kind of a, a, a knockoff of a Slenderman yeah. story in the sense of okay, um, there's stories about this creature, there's some investigation, you learn more about the backstory of this creature and a little bit of its mythology, and then it's like this kind of you you would assume a paint by number boogeyman kind of thing, where at the end the ultimate confrontation is with this creature. Yeah. So whether it's Slenderman or the Bye Bye Man or whatever, and <laughs> Instead, what Pryor is actually interested in is, is creating, you know, he foregoes a lot of jump scares for more impressionistic visuals and tone setting and atmosphere, not just in the sense of what you are feeling about the world, but also about the world itself and how the creature is almost sort of a MacGuffin in a way. Um, kind of, yeah. You know, to, to kind of, because it is just one element of this larger existentially horrific reality of this man and i will quote from this is the review from the empty man on RogerEbert.com, and also this seems to be already despite the fact that it hasn't been you know it was only released late in 2020 it's already kind of divisive in the sense of some critics are like this movie sucks and then already there's a cult following but yeah i will link to this article also in the show notes and in the facebook page but this is the quote while it's clear as to what scared studio heads about this adaptation of the graphic novel of the same name, those same issues are almost certain to build a cult following around this sometimes striking and memorable studio oddity. Advertised, however slightly, as a traditional horror film, this is a truly surreal and strange piece of work anchored by some top, top-notch craft elements, but weakened by a bit of a bloated running time and a conclusion that likely left the few people who saw it in theaters more annoyed than thrilled whereas i can't say i entirely understood what i had taken in when i watched it but i was also like this is but i was so intrigued by it yes um yeah. i and, and even if i didn't fully understand and i i sense you know done research and, and do kind of know the story and the mythology it was still like wow that was i don't want to say ambitious but it was not traditional by any stretch of the imagination no especially in today's you know eat easy to uh consume horror films that come out where and you know some that i love like you know the conjuring series Mm -hmm. and you know insidious where 
it builds, but there's jump scares. But like I, those films, I always feel like they're earned mm-hmm. jump scares. But then, like we were saying, stuff like the Slender Man or the Bye Bye Man, and like stuff like that's come out since and before, where it's just creepy, boo, creepy <laughs> boo, creepy yeah. boo, and again, it's like. What is this thing? And then at the end, it's like a battle between good and evil. Yep. And this doesn't have, like, you know, you think you're going to have that, but it keeps throwing you off. And, and it's like the investigation. It's almost like, like it, it feels like a strange noir. Yeah. Where this, where this down on his luck cop who lost his family is finally sees something again. Like, oh, I can be, I can be your hero again. I can be good again. He has to f- kind of, kind of fight against the, the cops that are investigating because they're not really doing a good job of it. And, you know, does he have a relationship with his next door neighbor? Like before it's alluded to. And then we finally see, but it builds upon it. And like, and then we finally see this, this cult of sorts, but as opposed to like other films where the cult is very like, uh, like, like again, like in Lord of illusions where <laughs> they're just, a bunch of pe- a bunch of people just shaving their heads with knives and <laughs> right. being being creepy. This is like well organized. And yeah, it, it's we start out with this character um, Jason, who is played by um, James Badge Dale, who oh, I yeah. mostly knew him from The Departed. I get he was on Rubicon as well, which was a show that I guess was short lived, but some people seem to really like it. Talented guy, a lot more talented yeah. than you would assume from his you know five minutes on screen in The Departed. Um, but you do, he, he's in the vein of Harry, Dim, uh, Harry Demore from, um, Lord of Illusions, where it's like, you know, a man that you seem like he's a, a man of, of reason. He's going to step into this larger world, almost on a journey to sort of recapture his soul based on, you mm-hmm. know, what we assume or, or, or can maybe, um, intimate happen to his wife and his, uh, his son. And boy, does that not turn out to be the case? Um. But yeah, there, there's not there's not a whole lot of jump scares in this. I mean, there's a few, you know, when the 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 creature is like running at things, it's certainly sort of creepy. But instead, there's just a lot of really evocative sequences and imagery. And the um, the DP for this movie was a guy named uh, Anastas Mikos, who mm. done a whole bunch of stuff. One of the most I'm going to put notable in air quotes here, at least high profile things was he, he was the DP on Texas Chainsaw 3D, which was a terrible movie, but the cinematography was not a problem with that movie. The cinematography was, no. one, of the, was one of the highlights and just, man, when I was really kind of like, okay, I'm on board with this movie was when he goes to investigate camp elsewhere and he stumbles upon that oh. bonfire and those people just marching around the fire and it's like, and then slowly you know you see something shoot into the sky and there's this yeah. weird cosmic um oh, God, yeah. element and then all of a sudden they stop and they yeah. notice him and he steps and they and step they and he moves yeah it's, and then oh. it becomes a chase through the woods at night where there's lightning that are kind of just like okay get, i am on board with whatever you are doing here it, and it, it it made my skin crawl just watching and i'm getting like goosebumps now just like yeah. recalling that sequence what i love and what i love about you know him like he plays the character like how we would be in a horror film where mm-hmm. he's almost like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, like when he gets away, what, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. Because like, what am I even stumbling into? And every time something weird happens, I love his asides. Like when, when he talks to that one, that one weird kid 
at the the institute, and he asks, "Oh, do you know her?" "No, no, I don't." And he walks away. And he's like, "Liar!" <laughs> like, and it's stuff I've even said in real life where I'm just like, "Oh, you're lying to me," but I have to be. I have to smile about it. Okay, or like, again, it it gets creepy later on. But like when he meets Stephen Root's character, the cult leader, whatever he is, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, oh, great seeing you again. And he whispers, I've never been here before. At first, you, I laughed because like, oh, okay. But then it's we see, oh, you look familiar. And then we see what it really is. And that's actually even creepier. But he's he's a you know, he's he's an antagonist that or protagonist that is he's in reality. Like he, he's based in reality, like yeah. in his mm-hmm. head. But this film is all about what is real. What is reality? Mm-hmm. It's all in your head, so whatever it is, and like you know, and play, you know, and that plays off. That concept plays off really well in this film too. Like the whole time, you're like, "What is real? Like, what is like? Did that just happen? This is like a 2020 horror film, but it was filmed. It, this movie was done in 2017. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was sitting on a freaking shelf for three years. Why is it like some of the best horror films that are ones that sit in sh- sit on shelves? Yeah, th- this is a movie that takes its time because it needs to establish a world for the effectiveness of when the hammer eventually falls. You're like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. And yeah, this was hearkening back to a previous episode we did of another underrated horror film, Underwater. Um, yes. This was yes. one of the last films that Fox made before it was purchased by Disney. Right. And then was sort of, there were some poor test screenings. It was dumped into release in October 2020. And Pryor actually considers the version that was released to be just, you know, a rough edit. So what was the movie that he really wanted to make? And and yeah, I mean, we have espoused the values of, of Disney here is like what they're doing for interesting filmmaking, what they're doing for interesting filmmakers and giving opportunities and that kind of stuff. But also, yeah, they're also a brand or, or a company which puts out established brands and they they want franchises and they want something to build upon and underwater and the empty man are original not entirely easy classifiable genre films so it's like how how are they how are they going to market this how do they what what are they supposed to do with this kind of movie and yeah it's a shame that it wasn't given more of a shake because it's very it's a very very interesting and thought-provoking movie and one which is a lot more interested in yeah not scaring in the boo sense but scaring in the sense of like your your bones and your core shudder. Yeah, yeah, that that and and I even said that to um, Corinne this morning um, about bef- you know before coming on and not saying anything really about the film, but saying yeah, this film actually creeped me out. And mm-hmm. for for me, a film that cre- actually legit creeped me out and like go, ooh, you know, like feel that chill. You know, you feel like like your spine like like crinkling you're like what the hell's going on am i am i dying here like like what is going on is the empty man in me now i don't know but i mean that's hard to do and at the same time it's sad because it doesn't happen often like it doesn't you know well it's and don't get me wrong i like a good jump scare and i like a good sure gore fest i like you know but i you know i feel bad that a film like this just gets dumped out Mm-hmm. Just kind of. I mean, I'm also glad it got put out because sometimes some films to this day that were made that I've seen in like at film festivals have never come out. Mm-hmm. And you go, how is that even possible? Like when 
so much crap is churned out, even like via streaming or like straight to DVD or whatever you want to say. And you go, what is this crap? Like, 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 how did this even get released? You know, it built, and you know, everything is like kind of this, you know, smorgasbord of like just this dread of just your the dread you feel like because the whole time you're like, in my head at least, I you a film like this you know there's not gonna be a happy ending like I, the whole time i'm just like there's no way mm-hmm. there's no way it's gonna be an easy cut and cut and dry like oh okay close the book on that one oh yeah. no yeah the whole time but it gets worse like it actually is worse than what i thought it was gonna be and even even the cgi stuff like they they do such a good job of how they stage it and cover it up because even yes. in even in the snow it's like kind of blinded and obscured or mm-hmm. in the dark tunnels with the flashing lights like they, they it's it's efficiency of the use of effects um or in the in a steam room yeah that's true too you you know? oh my god that whole sequence is so creepy because you don't see anything except for like an eye and a hand and like well oh and you mention how this film deals with reality. And we'll get to, to Stephen yeah, Root as no. Arthur pa- Parsons in a little bit. But what's yeah, interesting yeah. about that steam room sequence, which I forgot about until right now is like, yeah. you see allegedly this creature stabbing her, but there's also a couple shots of her, oh, stabbing, her stabbing herself. herself. And yes. you do start to think, Oh, is this just some sort of hysteria or madness or whatever? Right. Could, what, what, what are we actually dealing with here? Well, when we see the other friends just hanging underneath mm-hmm. the bridge, and it's like, okay, how does that even happen? Like, but again, it's it's all a, pl- a ploy, like by this creature or this being or whatever you want to say it is. It basically it's it's when it affects you, it basically makes you kill yourself in a way that is so like not trivial, but it's like, oh, that's all it is. They killed themselves. David Pryor, I haven't seen any interviews of him saying. Yes, you know, I, I read Lovecraft and I wanted to do a Lovecraft. No, actually, notice he said a Clive Barker-esque. I get elements of Silent Hill in this movie, too. Oh, like yeah, the, sure. The, mm-hmm. the video game, especially when he's walking around these creepy areas underground this building. And you're like, like every time it goes to a different level, it's it's weirder. It's like a video game where he's like, <laughs> yeah. at first it's all clean. It's all like pristine above. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to the next level. It's like, okay, it's like a little less people, but... Stuff is covered up with tarps, and then next level, it's like dirty, disgusting, like hell spawn area. It's like, wait, how did he get here? Yeah, and once again, what Pryor does so well is not explicitly spell out what is happening and why it's significant, but lays groundwork through people talking about these larger ideas that just kind of add a piece to a puzzle that eventually adds up i mean that's that's very very much what happens in in you know lovecraft stories where this protagonist comes across this villager who tells him like you know i heard all these stories about these things that used to happen or uh, have you heard about these cults that operate out sort of here and 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 it also and then it unfolds into not the story kind of saying like Here's how it all happens. Although there is a sequence in the end where there's a little bit of of you know the the girl he's he was looking for. I've, I've already forgotten her name. Was it Amanda? Mandy. Ma- Amanda. Ma- yeah. Mandy. Amanda. Yeah, yeah. Where she she kind of spells it out for him specifically, but the world right. itself mm-hmm. we've already, like that's just the fine that's like the capstone, and then we then we get yes. a larger sense of what this universe he was in, and 
Yeah, what I what I love another thing I love about this movie is how it's it is it sort of depicts a contemporary update on the Cthulhu cult in the yes. sense of in you know the the Call of Cthulhu and a bunch of other stuff there's these cultists kind of meeting far out into the woods at night or in these abandoned you know buildings or something if you, and you even see this in in Lovecraftian video games and comics where they're meeting in like you know derelict churches or abandoned buildings and this right. it's like no the cult is going to be front and center in a respectable organization because fuck man we've seen it nexium nexium was a cult that was out there it had a leader it had a hierarchy it had curriculum it had yeah. you know um organization and training why can't the cthulhu cult do that that and that's like you said it's it's a, again it's the present day you have to get with the times so like back of course back you know back in the day you didn't have networking. You didn't have social media. You yeah. didn't have all this stuff. You had to go hide in the woods and like kind of whisper in the dark uh, with the you know under candlelight. But now, yeah, when they do go into the forest, it's it's like this group. It's you know like again this group that's marching, this army that's marching around this flame mm-hmm. to bring something back. Even watching this and you know us being smart guys, I think. I still don't know if he actually existed. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, I don't know if that's saying much, you know, like, you know, spoiler alert, but it's like a whole, you know, it's a whole reveal of like, was he just created for this cult? But then it's like, like it plays with, because then like when he calls um, the mother, Mm -hmm. she doesn't even know who he is. Well, let's let's get into that because that, that is yeah, an interesting yeah. question, and I, I certainly have an interpretation uh, yeah, yeah. The, or, or an answer that makes sense to me, but maybe right. um, it will not be as satisfying to you or listeners. But uh, you know, we we do have to talk a little bit about Arthur Parsons, Stephen Root, yes, because please, yeah. Stephen Root, like he's he's in oh. here for like five minutes, and he's great as Stephen oh. Root always is. Hits it out of the park, of course. Yeah, just shows up for a few minutes and is like, I am going to bring instant gravitas and weight <laughs> to this character. And yeah, I, I love that this, there's, I think there's something that this cult projects and what they actually mean. So they, they have this solipsism, you know, this kind of philosophy, which is like at its core speaks to the the insignificance of the individual, like how we can't know anything beyond ourselves, you know, uh, the impossibility of knowing what's outside existence and what they project is more like that's freeing because you don't have to be concerned by how to better yourself or what it what is more you know how can i get more stuff but i think instead the seediness and the underbelly and the 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 subtext of it is as a cult does break down your will and your identity to instead become part of a collective which is going to feed a vile mission for Nexium. Yeah. It was Keith Rainier and his goddamn, you know, sexual abuse cult. In this one, yeah. it's you are nothing. You are insignificant. You are, you're basically being bred to be a sacrifice for this, whatever yeah. this entity is they're trying to summon. And so, um, you know, Jason, he is not a person. He, he's a vessel. He, they, they say yeah. he was, you were created three days prior to this. And, this right. is this is how I yeah. I don't want to say interpret it but made sense of it. How I saw this is all these different manifestations of the empty man. Jason I think 
is now sort of like they've been doing experiments on this and Jason is the perfection of this experiment. He is the empty man that is going to finally bring about this, this entity. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's not just that we have been using people before in the past. We used Paul and Bhutan and this kind of thing. Yeah, we but, sent him out as an experiment and it worked. Yes, but but Paul was there in 1995. Yeah. Jason has now only been here for three days instead of using a vessel we have created one and he is now like with his fruition like congratulations now the world is going to end kind of thing. that that's kind of how i made sense of this so 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 you know you're you're you see it as all his memories are not real correct again reality does not exist yeah mm -hmm. i mean i kind of saw it the same way where it's a little confusing but in a good way like I, i'm you know it's not like oh that doesn't make any sense no i mean so you know what they uh they have really good cloning technology then we don't we don't have to see that it's just mm. he was created he's this thing and like he was given these basically the thing that they that she even you know Amanda says to him is they instilled fear into him mm -hmm. into this vessel and that's that's what's working it's the fear you know because I think that's what why Paul worked because he was a former drug addict. He tried to kill himself multiple times. You can tell from his scars on his on his wrists. That's why he worked so well as a vessel because he had fear. Yep. Mm. He had tried to kill himself. He didn't care about his life, but he was trying to be clean because of Pontifex. He was a clean person, but again, ultimately, he was just chosen as a vessel. Go out there and find this thing. Well, because you know? they they are human people which are trying to transmit or try to be vessels right. for this non-human thing so instead of why don't we use people instead of why don't we create instead the perfect yeah. vessel and yeah. that's the horrific thing to me about this story and about the most effective lovecraft stories are i mean in the call of cthulhu you had a bunch of these characters who were like around a certain event happened like i just kept having these dreams that were telling me about what was going to happen and there's and there is as the name implies like a calling and for Jason, it's not that he was on a mission to discover something. He was being drawn to that. That was his purpose. It wasn't right. as a, like, I am going to go out on my own and discover what's happening. It's like, no, we created you to go from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not a perfect equivalency. We, we, it, we wrote the story. We, we wrote the script. Yeah, yeah. For you, that, and we wrote the script for you. And, and at the end, like, you know, we see that he does accept it. Yeah, well, you know, he, he knows now. He has the the paperwork on he's, him. He's fully, he's fully in, he's fully possessed by this thing to the point that he murders the old vessel in Paul, and yes. everyone bows down like, "Yep, you are it now." Which is creepier because, yeah, and, that, and that's another um, sequence I want to talk about before he sees Amanda again, and he's talking to the nurse, mm -hmm. and that scene works so well because at first. The nurse is like any nurse at a hospital is like, I can't give you that information. But then it's like turns on a dime. It's like almost like she gets possessed mm -hmm. to say exactly what she has to say to him to continue the story. And I kind of love that. That's like such a weird, weird scene where she just gives. It's almost like he's like looking at her like, um, you're giving me like all the information. That's kind of <laughs> weird. Mm hmm. Well, I didn't expect that. But, I mean, she was you know. probably supposed to give him right. all the information. Well, again, we see the whole 
the whole doctor and nurse staff is part of this cult. The final question I wanted to ask about this movie yeah. is the empty man, or at least this creature that shows himself to people who partake in this bottle bridging. And Oh, I should also step back and say, I remember when I was watching this and just thinking like how kind of wonky and stupid the mythology was like, oh, so you have to blow into a bottle, but only blow into a bottle you specifically find on a bridge. Like that's kind of weird oddly specific (laughs) until until you realize how that ties into like oh but it's a bridge because the empty man is a bridge between yes these other things and the cult and yeah blowing into an empty bottle because you are nothing you are an empty man and they so it's like okay okay now this all makes sense yeah you're putting something into that bottle to bring and you're the you're the empty bottle but is this creature nihilarthotep because at the end, yeah, when, when it's yeah. when it's kind of like possessing him and spitting into its mouth, and it's got this mm-hmm. long tentacled head, it looks a lot like artist renderings of what Nyarlathotep Nyar- yes. is supposed to look like. Um, yes, it's yeah. associated with like you know chaos and bringing chaos. One of Nyarlathotep's um, nicknames is the Crawling Chaos. Um, he is a, a messenger for the outer gods, and by becoming the Empty Man, you are basically a transmitter, a vessel. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and uh, I, I found a Reddit thread about it where apparently David Pryor is kind of cagey as to mm-hmm. what his inspiration was, and so he's not explicit. And this movie is so little seen that there's not a whole lot of stuff out there connecting it. But it's sort of it, it, it really. I was really very much reminded of it, and I'll, I'll post on the Facebook page as well a picture, a screenshot from the film of what this creature looks like and how it compares to sort of an artist rendering of what Nyarlathotep looks like also. And you can kind of judge for yourself. I think, I think, I mean, if not intentional, it's, it's, it's an homage mm-hmm. to that, you know, cause again, it's, it's a vessel. It's, it's to spread chaos. Mm-hmm. It's to spread insanity of some sort of this collective legion, you know, like of this thought of everyone together, just, bringing upon destruction ultimately so I, I i think so especially like the one and again doesn't too doesn't doesn't like hit you over the head with with the tentacle it's just one like quick shot of a tentacle like okay this thing is more than just a man in like a cloak mm-hmm. he's he's something something we can't even describe and you don't really really see much of him until he's like basically ripping him his own self apart to infect jason yeah mm-hmm. to, to basically be inside him to go okay now you know the way now 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 you are one with me so we can bring upon what has always supposed to been which is again the whole again and it almost feels like it's like a a prequel to what the comic book was mm-hmm. where oh this is this is going on now like now like this this chaos has spread and now it's like become a disease it's a downer ending, but I, I like downer endings and I'm like, good. This is, you know, ultimately the bad guys win. They, they got what they needed. They got what they wanted. Uh, And one little fun uh, bit of trivia too, from IMDb, this, this cult is called the Pontifex Institute or the Pontifex Society. And they say the word Pontifex is a word used to refer to a high order of priests in Rome. It can also be literally translated to mean bridge maker or a man who negotiates with God. The Pontifex Institute in the film echoes these motifs. They act as priests who call the empty man. They build a legend of the empty man around bridges, and they receive messages from the empty man like he is a god. Which is once again, there was thought that was put into this world, and I yeah, that's re- and maybe maybe I mean I'm sure maybe that probably comes from the comic first and foremost. But I just appreciate that even if that's the case, 
Pryor's like, this this is a good bit. I'm going to take this and I'm going to add some subtleties to it to create my world, which I, that was great. I love that. Well, and there's other little things that like, when I watched it, I thought I saw something and I was like, no, that couldn't be what I thought it was. And then reading again, reading the trivia on IMDb, when he first goes to the Pontifex Institute and there's a shot of a painting in the background mm-hmm. and it's of a cabin in the snow. Oh. And it's the same cabin that the four hikers go to. So, again, that's like great production design. Of, mm-hmm. We know some people will notice that. It'll see it in the corner of your eye going, wait a second. Did I just see what I thought I saw? And, like, little things like that I love. Like, like give me that care. Give me that, like, passion of making it. Like, yes, it's a horror film. But, like, build this world without, like, having to be like, oh, Here's the steps. No, they give it to you a little bit at a time. Like they, they don't spoon feed you, but they give you little like, you know, snacks of it. Like, okay, mm, I like that. Oh, did I see that? Or what does that word mean? Like, they they put a lot of care and thought into this, and I appreciate that more than anything. But yeah, the the empty man. Check it out. Suffice it to Definitely. say, I think Dan Pryor's a guy. Like, let's keep an eye on what he does in the future because one hundred percent. This was this was a uh, this was super effective, and I would love to see what uh, you know what what he what kind of work he can do with a studio or distributor, which um really supports him and really kind of uh, presses for what he's going to do. But um, this has been the Catholic Cthulhu. You can email us at moviesofmadness at gmail We are on Twitter at Cast Cthulhu and on Facebook at Cthulhu Cast. I am Nolan Fixes Teeth. James is Fistful of Media on Twitter. And you can um, catch up on back episodes for us at castofcthulhu.podbean.com, as well as all your favorite podcast providers and battleshipretention.com as well. Um, we finally have a plan for what's coming yeah. next. It only took us too long. And a plan for June, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But next week, and it is actually next week this time, because as I... As we said in the last episode, we're, we're doing back-to-back because of our poor planning. But next week, <laughs> um, we are going to tackle Toby Hooper's Life Force from 1985. Another suggestion, but a suggestion that came from the guest, or I should say a guest. I recently tweeted out that I was part of the Pod and the Pendulum's read-through of Kerry Fukunaga's unproduced It script. It was a wonderful time. It's not released just yet. When it is, I will certainly post it for you. But met a lot of cool people there, including... Jay Ollery, who is an assistant editor and contributor to Grumpire and a columnist at Daily Grindhouse. So he really wanted to talk about Toby Hooper's life force. So that is what we're going to be talking about. I've never I'm, seen I'm it. For that. I've oh, never, never seen, seen it, it before. So, James, what can we expect from Toby Hooper's life force? <sighs> um, okay, let me think. How does, in, in a few words or less. Uh, space vampires. Yes. Lots of female nudity. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of female nudity. <laughs> like, lots. Like... <laughs> Matilda May, who is the main space vampire, is naked, probably like ninety five percent of this film, <laughs> and um, some really cool special effects, and you know, Patrick Stewart with hair. Oh, Patrick Stewart. Okay, that's all I'll say. I'm not going to say anything else about Patrick Stewart because he has one of the greatest scenes in the film. But not going to not going to okay. disclose what that is because once you see it, you'll know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so I have. I mean. Listen, I, I, I'm I a Toby Hooper fan. I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. F- a fan of the sequel as well. And um, uh, Funhouse is also a, a, a quite an o- overlooked, underrated kind of horror film. But I don't know. 
when, when it was suggested, I was like, is Toby Hooper really doing a Lovecraftian film? But that's what Jay wanted to do, so we're going to do um, uh, Life Force next week. So, yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, be sure to tune in next time where we'll be talking about Toby Hooper's Life Force with Jay. Um, and in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 